Hello and welcome to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Um, today we have got uh, a fascinating guest, and I say that every time, but this time I really mean it. Um, got a fascinating guest in, this, uh, uh, in the form of a fellow by the name of Doug Brown. And Doug is probably one of the uh, exemplars, if you will, uh, I think, of what it means to be a uh, uh, number one, uh, a number one salesperson on the planet, uh, and I mean, you know, I'm going to use sales here in a very interesting way. Um, everything in life has has got a sales component to it, and you know, I, I'm selling my dreams to people all the time. I'm selling my ideas to people all the time. I'm selling my products and services to people all the time. Unfortunately, most people don't know how to do that particularly well. Um, and I was you know, on a conversation the other day with a fellow and we were talking about, you know, something along this ilk. And the analogy was, you know, people go into a hardware store to buy a, you know, to buy a drill and the salesperson tries to sell them a quarter inch bit and they forget that what they're actually trying to, uh, <laughs> what, what the client is trying to buy is a quarter inch hole. The bit is the way to get to the hole. Um, and when you're selling, that's what you want to pay attention. What's the hole that the client wants? Um, you know, and, and that hole takes all kinds of different forms. Uh, Doug Brown is the uh, the CEO of uh, CEO Sales Strategies, and more importantly, here is the creator of a, uh, of a program called the Top One Percent Academy. And that's what I want to talk about uh, in this because I think you, as a listener, are going to walk away from this going, "Oh my God, um, this is stuff that I can't." Yeah, can't not pay attention to because it will transform the way I do my life, live my life, and uh, actually enjoy my life. Yeah, at, at, at the end of the day, uh, just a little bit of you know, real quick background. Um, Doug, and just to kind of give you a CV, and I'm not going to go into everything that he's got on his uh, uh, CV here because it's pretty impressive. But he was the uh, uh, president of sales and training for Tony Robbins, uh, for Chet Holmes, and for Russ Whitney, and. In those positions, I mean, just as an example here, he took uh, Tony's uh, sales force, uh, and I'm going to butcher this statistic just a bit here, but the the the, the sales numbers, the you know, the numerical you know, bump here was from a 17.8 to a 43% increase in sales. Is that a fairly accurate way of describing that, Doug? That I butchered that? Yeah, I, that was the close rate plane. So we, we took the close rate yeah. on the on, close rate. On the, That's the one I was missing. Yeah. yeah. So I want to just welcome Doug Brown to the uh, the show. Um, Doug, thanks for being here. And I'm looking forward to this conversation. Oh, I am too. And thank you for having me. I'm very grateful. Well, I, you know, both of us will you know, fit in that shoe. <laughs> we'll walk down this path together <laughs> with gratitude. Um, the question I typically ask, and we had a little bit of a conversation before we went live with the show, um, but the question I typically ask in, uh, at the beginning here is when you hear the term the soul of business, what does that bring up? And I want to explore that from a different angle uh, after you answer the question, because there's a, a back door to this that I think is going to be worthy of uh, some sort of an exploration and, and conversation. So I'll just lead with you know the question, when you hear the soul of business, what what does that evoke? What does that bring up? Yeah, well, for me, when I heard that, when I was listening to your podcast, the, the first thing I thought of was, you know, when somebody starts a company or starts a business, 
they're really not necessarily, I mean, they all want money because that's, you know, a driving force, but a lot of times they're starting it more for a mission mm -hmm. in some capacity. And, you know, that's what the soul of the business to me is, is, is that mission driven thought process. And then usually somewhere for most people along the way, <clears throat> that soul starts to waver <laughs> because of the pressures that come along with the business. Um, and sometimes it wavers back and forth, right? Yeah, because we all continue to strive to, to, to be there. But sometimes just out of necessity, it's like, oh, well, we thought this was the avenue we were supposed to go down, but the audience actually says, no, this is the buying audience and this is the avenue you really should go down. Yeah. So sometimes the soul kind of <clears throat> changes. But to me, it's that, it's that mission, Blaine, that people start out with and they want to achieve something beyond that financial gain that they're hoping to get because they do want that. Um, but most of them are trying to, they're trying to help somebody do something or, 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 or help society or help the world or whatever it is that they come up with this creative idea and they go, wow, this solves this problem. Um, and, and that, that to me is the soul. Yeah. And then, you know, to the point that you made a little bit right at the beginning here, uh, the money becomes very attractive. Success becomes very seductive. You know, however oh, we yeah. end up defining that. And it, it, it's a siren song. It, it, it really is. It's kind of a, you know, it, you know, it moves us away from what we got into this thing for in the first place. And, you know, the image that comes to mind is uh, Jason, you know, lashing himself to the mast of the boat, you know, the boat as they, you know, sail past the sirens um, in Greek mythology here. If I'm not mm -hmm. paying attention, if I don't find a way to tether myself to that soul, it becomes really easy to... Uh, be seduced and actually, in many cases, end up on the shoals of uh, you know, some very interesting uh, wreckage, uh, if I'm not careful. Uh, and I've you know, been with a number of companies. I mean, Nokia comes to mind for me with that. Um, they took their eye off the ball, I think, uh, in a very significant way and uh, you know, had their lunch handed to them. Uh, now they're rising again. Yeah. I mean, you know, Nokia's 120 years old, I think, 130 years old as a company. Uh, so they've you know crashed and burned a, a couple of different times, but you know, one of the things here, you know, you've you've been associated with some very large organizations, yes, you know, you know, and uh, you've you've sold some fascinating things. I mean, you you've sold music equipment to Aerosmith, to Boston, to the Eagles. I mean, there's not a whole lot of folks, yeah, that, you know, <laughs> yeah, can claim that one. Um, what what has compelled you in the, and, as, and I'll put, the, put it this way, what has, you know, what's brought you back to the soul of business? Because you got real successful. And by your own you know, you know, admission, when we were talking again before we uh, went live here, yeah, you got seduced in one sense. And I don't mean this in a pejorative at all. It happens all the time. But you know, money became kind of the glitter out there. And it's kind of, you know, squirrel, let's go. What's brought yeah. you back? Yeah, to, well, you know, I mean, my, so... You know, and I think you bring up a really good point that money, money did have me, right? And so my money became my identity. And, and, and it never, it was actually when I was working with Tony Robbins and, and Chet Holmes, um, I remember this, I had my house paid off. Now I was in my early 40, like 41-ish. I had the house paid off. I had cars paid off. Everybody's healthy in the family. 
making half million dollars a year minimum at a half million dollars in the bank. And back then that's worth more than a half million dollars today, right? That was 20, 20 years ago. And I remember never being so scared in my life. Uh-huh. And I was like, what is wrong with me? I lived, I lived outside of Houston, Texas at that time. And I remember walking around just like fearful. And, and, and I walked, uh, walked into the kitchen one day and I said to my wife, I said, there's something wrong with me. Like everything in my life is going great. But I feel like I don't even know who I am anymore. Like, you know, and, and, and I said, you know, we're in this position and what's wrong with me? That's what I was asking the question. Right. And I, and she said to me, she said, nothing wrong with you. I said, no, I I feel like I've kind of become disconnected. I'm kind of focused on not the right things. Now, one of the reasons that I always sold and was always very successful in sales planning is because I care. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm the guy who teaches, look, if it's not right for somebody else, disengage. But when you're running 166 people in an organization, when you're running all of these things and you've got all this pressure all over you to do that, sometimes you start to care a little bit less. And that was what was happening to me. Um, And I remember saying to her, I'm going to go down into the really rough parts of Houston, Texas. I'm going to walk around the neighborhoods. I'm going to tell people, you know, I got a lovely wife, lovely family. Everybody's healthy. I got the home. I've got the money. I've got the cars. I've got you know, semi fame, I've got all this stuff and I'm so unhappy. And I said, I wonder how long it's going to take somebody to beat me up. Right. Because I knew I was in a position that most people wanted to be, but at the same time, I was sort of losing my connection with myself. And I think that goes back to the soul. Why did I, why was I there in the first place? It was to really help people. Right. So money, money can be a a great driver and a motivator, but it also can uh, bring us to a place where we start to identify that as our identity that gets us into trouble because we start to make decisions that aren't us. And, um, you know, so that, that's kind of what, what happened. Um, and (laughs) you know what, what what was the original question you asked me? Cause I diverted (laughs) off of that into that, that place. No, I mean, you're, you're, you're spot on with this. It's we get, we get attracted with something, you know, money being, uh, probably the, uh, the prime example of this, when we start making decisions and uh, choices predicated on the value of that rather than the value of, you know, what I'm calling the soul. I mean, what, what got me into the business in the first place? Yeah. You know, whatever that may have been. Right. If you lose, you know, I care about people. I want to, I want to see people succeed. Not that that ever necessarily disappeared, but it wasn't the prime operative uh, in your life. So, so there was, there was something that catalyst, then you, you just, you know, you basically just landed on it here that started your migration back to that source, that soul. And, and, and the cool part about it, I think, Blaine, is when I, when I reconnected with that and, uh, you know, Russ Whitney was actually very instrumental in helping me reconnect that. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Russ, Russ wrote a book called The Inner Voice. Yep. And uh, Russ wanted to bring this out as a, uh, a product set. So I, I was the guy helping him do that. And when I started realizing what was going on, I reconnected back. I didn't deviate a lot. That's the whole thing. You know, it wasn't like I went from being a really nice guy who really cared to a guy who just didn't care anymore. Not, not that. Yeah. It was just like I was off, you know, five or 10%. But we can internally feel that. And I know that now. 
the moment I started reconnecting, the interesting thing is my income went up anyways, right? So it was kind of like, all right, so now I'm earning seven figures a year and I'm enjoying my life and I'm enjoying what I'm doing on a regular basis. And that just breeds more success. And I think, you know, like you brought up Tony Robbins, you know, I think Tony, part of Tony's success is, you know, I've, I've heard Tony talk and he, he cared about people, mm-hmm. you know, when he started out, that's, you know, of course, you know, he's become Tony Robbins, but that was kind of his driving force, you know, uh, other than getting out of his Volkswagen that he was living in or whatever in the beginning, right? Yeah. That type of thing. Yep. Um, and, you know, I don't know how Tony fit into a Volkswagen. That's the, the man's, you know, uh, <laughs> a huge <laughs> stature. Of, yeah, I mean, the Volkswagen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> First time I shook his hand, it, my hand got swallowed up by his hand, right? I was like, my God, this man is gigantic and a powerful man. So it it's, um, you know, but as soon as that reconnection point started, everything started getting better in, in my, in my life. And I, you know, <clears throat> it reminded me about a bunch of companies that I had worked with. I, in particular, I remember a gentleman, he had a company it was $200 million. It was like two, two Oh five. You know, what's $5 million at that point. Right. Um, and he was so unhappy. The business had him. Yeah. And so we got talking about it originally and, you know, why just start the business? And he went back to this. And the man was pretty near into tears and he was just at the end where he was like, I'm just going to cut this business. I'm done. You know, but what he ended up doing is he ended up going back to that roots and scaling it back. And he actually cut the revenue significantly in the company. He went from 205 down to 60 million, which a lot of people will be like, why, my gosh, why would he do that? Yeah. He was like one of the happiest men on the planet. And he, and he worked one fifth the time the company ran the thing because I, I, I had a mentor, his name was Richard Minervino. And I don't know, he must've saw something in me when, you know, when I was a young guy, he probably saw him in, as a young guy, right? Just a guy trying to figure it out and make it. And he was worth $350 million at the time. And he used to invite me to his office and I'd sit down and we'd have discussions on life and business. And I remember him saying to me one day, he goes, Doug, how many pair of shoes can you actually wear at one time? <laughs> right? He's like, how many cars can you drive? How many houses do you actually need to live in? And he's like, I could retire right now and never work a day of my life. But he said, you'll find me the first person in here and the last person to leave. And you will find me deceased in this chair because this is what I love to do. And it reconnected me with my, my dad used to tell me, he's like, you know, you're going to work at something. So you might as well work at something you'd like to do. And I think we all kind of get out of that because we get stuck with the financial pressures or, or whatever happens, you know, maybe marital issues have happened. You know, I had that happen in my life at one time. Right. So, um, you know, so we sort of go awry, but then we kind of get away from that true, what you, I think call the soul of the business and, and what people we we start to disconnect so much from who we truly are that we want to get back to that core. And as soon as that man got back to that core on the 60 million, he was happy as could be. And he's like, he just like, listen, I got more money than I need. So how much is enough? You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, what, what, what yeah, the idea, yeah, when I started my business, I had a fairly clear definition in my mind about what success looked like. And part of it was monetary. There was a fiscal component to it. But it was really dominated by, you know, the, 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 the mission, 
uh, of the work. Yeah. yeah, I'm an educator. I love to educate. I love to teach. And you know, that's, you know, you know, yeah, if I'm not doing that, I mean, Bob Proctor is an example. You know, Bob was a dear, dear friend. I knew Bob for years and years. Uh, he was at our wedding. Um, I mean, I was, you know, I, I spoke at his memorial service. Um, he was 87. And I mean, literally, uh, up until about three days before he passed, he was teaching. I mean, and he didn't do it for the money. You know, Bob gave more right. stuff away. He just loved to teach. And his business was wildly successful. And mm. he stumbled on a secret, and there's no pun intended there because he was a star in the movie The Secret, but there was no pun intended. Yeah, he, yeah, he, the, he and I had conversations about this. Um, yeah, nature for me is one of the greatest teachers I've ever encountered. And there's nothing in nature that serves as a center of accumulation. Everything in nature serves as a center of distribution in some way, shape, or form. Yes. Yes. And if I lose connection to the fact that I'm a center of distribution, I start to, you know, the, the, the spirit of who I am starts to atrophy. And I was struck by what you said about you know, when you, uh, you know, kind of recalibrated, you actually started making more money. Yeah. yeah. And the idea of going from 200 million to 65 million, yeah, you know, you, you look at it just from a ratio standpoint, it's kind of like, oh my God, we're dying. But, you know, growth at all costs is not healthy. <laughs> it's it's just not a healthy way to you know, live a life, and what's what's enough? Well, I think we can see evidence of that amongst people who have had huge kingdoms and toppled themselves, you know, yeah. in that process. And yeah, the ego. I think the Greek, yeah, yeah. I think the Greeks called it hubris. I think that was I remember that word hubris. from school on you know years ago, yeah. and I you know I. I learned a lesson from from Oprah Winfrey, um, by the way, who I love as a you know as a as a teacher, and she basically the lesson was this: when you connect your true self and you bring significance to that in serving other people, serving other people in a significant way, mm -hmm. you will always make money. And I, I learned this early on in my life, Blaine. Um, I used to hang around with a gentleman when I was in the military. Um, Tom was, uh, in Vietnam. We used to call him Vietnam Tom. I don't know why that was just his nickname. Right. And he once said to me, cause we were, uh, I was in a sales job and he was selling too. And he once said to me, he said, Doug, making money's not hard. You just got to do something. <laughs> and he said, you just be consistent at doing that and you'll make money. And, and I was like, wow, how brilliant. Right. I mean, I'm, I don't know what I was 19 or something at the time. Right. And um, and he was so clear on, on this point, but what he was basically selling is selling me at that point was just take action on something and you'll make money. So the question then I said, when I heard Oprah say that is I was like, okay, so if I'm truly myself, like I'm the guy right now that if you meet me at a party or you meet me at dinner or you meet me over the phone, I'm this, I'm this guy. Like, I just don't come off that being your true self and then bringing that significance or that soul, if you will, the mission to it. Uh, it's a formula that works, but you've got to do what Tom said is to take action. And that's what yeah. I find a lot of people blame. Don't do. Yeah. Got to do the do. <laughs> got to do the do. Yeah. 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 Do the do. That's, hey, I hope I can take that and uh, coin that in a phrase, uh, you know, 
Because I mean, even Bob Proctor still lives on, right? I mean, I I, I just talked to somebody who was a, you know, was a, a Bob Proctor, uh, you know, consultant or whatever they were, you know, um, going, you know, a, a certified certified person. So, um, you know, it lives on past his 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 life as we knew him here. And yeah. Um, yeah. even when I'm teaching people, you know, how to be a one think and act and be as a one percent earner. The first place we begin is what do you really, truly want? Yeah. Yeah. And, and we get so crystal clear on what they truly want. And I know for people in a business context, they might go, why would you do that? For that same reason that gentleman had the $200 million company was unhappy and at 60 million, he was blissful. Right. Um, and I, you know, I've had the pleasure of working literally with tens of thousands of businesses over my life, you know. Yeah through group and one-on-one -on -one and, you know, other, other training type of methods. And the one thing that I can say with certainty is when we're in a place where we're just driven on that drive of what we truly want and we're clear on that, we learn what to say no to. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's what gets people into challenge mode. It's kind of like, you know, <clears throat> you know, it's like, I, I don't know bad analogy, but when I was in the military, you know, you'd, you'd be in the field for, I don't know, three months, right? You'd come out of there. And if you're single, the first thing you want, right? You want to go find some, some gal to sort of go out with and just feel like a person again. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, but what if 50 of them say yes? Like, should I truly be going out with all 50? Probably not. Right. Should I be making decisions based on all of that? No, I probably shouldn't. And the reality is that we never uh, most human beings I have found through their life lose what they truly want. They know it when they're younger. And then through habituation of conforming to society, whether it's, you know, mom, dad, preacher, teacher, brother, sister, I don't know, guru, whatever, right? We buy into what society says we should be doing. We sort of lose that. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, Blaine, like with the 1%, you and I were talking before, you know, like I have a really big concern now and I feel like I've reconnected with mission more than I ever have, you know, now going into my 60s. And, you know, because I have a really big concern. My, I have daughters who are 22, 23, and I see what their friends are going through. And, yeah. and but there are people in their 30s who, you know, in 40s who are in a, in, in a job they don't want to be in. But, yeah. you know, they've got three kids. They've got yep. the house. Yeah, yeah, the handcuffs, right? I mean, I remember that. I mean, I was making, I think it was 160000 a year or something at that point. I had two, two children and I was in a corporate job. And um, I really didn't like going in every day. I was just like, I used to, in fact, I coined it the invisible prison. Yeah. And, um, yep. <laughs> and I remember I was going to be going out on my own because I was like, okay, I'm just going to break the invisible prison. And my spouse wasn't working at the time. She's taking care of the kids. They were just in diapers. And, um, and I was like, oh, what a risk, right? So I threw $60,000 up and we lost the $60,000 in the first four months. And I'm sitting there and I'm still like now I'm at this company trying to do this job part-time, my job full-time, but doing my business full-time and we lost money. And then the CEO of the company comes up to me and he says, I want to offer you an, uh, an upgraded position. It's $450,000 a year. And I was like, no, no, don't say those words. No. <laughs> because, yeah. Right. 
and and I I possibly would have had to move to Los Angeles to get it. And I would lived in New England at the time. And I don't like winter, so it was even more inviting because I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to go to the sunny weather. And but in my in my head and in my soul, I was thinking, if I take this job, I'm stuck. I'm not coming out of this, right? Yeah. So so I turned it down, which was a good thing, which led me onto the path, right? Of of doing yep. what I'm doing. Yeah. But I want to help those people who are in that position. Um, and I want to help people who are, you know, in the 50 something up bracket who are, they're kind of at that place where they're looking at, okay, I want to retire sometime, but they're looking at their savings account. They're looking at their, their 401ks. If they have one, they're looking at all of these things and they're going, I, I can't do it. You know what I mean? I'm going to have to work till I'm 70 or 75. And the crazy part about it is if they learn how to be, think and act like a 1% earner. They don't have to make 1% income. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not, not everybody wants to make that. Right. But if we can teach somebody to make a, an extra six figures, you know, a year, that's the difference between them in retirement, let's say, having a quality of life that they want versus having a quality of life that they have to comply to because of the yeah. financial pressures. And if we could teach somebody who's in a, a sales position to add another six figures to their income or, you know, add more to their income and they like being at a job, that gives them the ability to be able to have different decisions down the line. They have savings and send the kids to private school, whatever they want. But those people who want to get out of that corporate job, there's also a way of doing that. And that's what I did. And, yeah. you know, it, it, I lost 60 grand the first time, so they don't have to. But, you know, I did when I left that company, it took me 15 months, but I drove my business to $998,600 um, <laughs> in a year. <laughs> oh, I remember being so upset because I was like, it's almost a million dollars. It was like the end, <laughs> it was the end of the year. And, and I was like, it was December 30, like the end, 30, for, uh, 30 of the 31st or whatever the day was. I can't remember how many days are in December now. But I remember going, who can I call to get a $1,500 sale so I can push this over a million dollars? Like, I mean, just like driving at it. And I called everybody. And of course, it was like, hey, we're, we're focused on the, you know, the holiday and, you know, going into the new year and come see me in a month and all that. So we never made it there. But, um, you know, but that, that set me up um, to be able to set a foothold which actually led me um, on my path to, um, you know, be with Chet Holmes and be with Tony Robbins and Russ Whitney and all the, you know, great people I've been able to, to work with and all the big companies and things like that. So if I had never made that decision based on truly what I wanted, then it wouldn't have taken me down that path. I would have taken that $450,000 a year job and hey, wouldn't have been back, you know, back in the in the eighties, making four hundred fifty thousand dollars a year was no no small you know no small shame thing. by any means you know. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> what I yeah what I really enjoy about what you're referencing here is in my experience more people are far more clear about what they don't want than what they do want, yeah. and that gets them in yeah. a whole world of hurt. What I don't want yeah. is the the experience of being at risk. What I don't want is the experience of fiscal insecurity. So when a $450,000 offer comes down the road, they, they jump at it because they don't want the, you know, what, you know, what it seemingly is addressing and what, they miss what they do want, what they love. So we're going to take a real quick break here. And when we come back, I want, I want to dive into this whole notion of the top 1%, uh, just kind of how you work with people to set some stuff up 
regardless of where they are circumstantially in their life right now, because you've got some, I think, some fan, you know, phenomenal uh, ways that you actually position people to actually begin to, to not only think differently, but to do the do differently. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we'll take a real quick break. We're talking to Doug Brown right now, CEO of uh, CE, uh, CEO Sales Strategies, and we're going to be talking about the 1% Academy when we come back from this little short break. The nature of life is evidenced in nature. Nature grows, and all of nature honors the desire to be more, to have more, and to do more. Life thrives when it's allowed to grow, and ideally thriving is what we also, all of us, want to be able to do. Unfortunately, at some stage in life, most people find themselves settling into what I can only call a rut. And a rut is nothing more than a coffin with the ends kicked out. You want to quickly get out of any rut that you find yourself in. When you stop growing, that's when the coffin starts to appear. You know, the simple truth is this, and this is true for everything in nature. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Every one of us dies. So the question we need to come to grips with is not are we going to die? The question nature asks us to answer is are we truly living? That's what motivation is about. It's the desire to move. It's the desire to grow and to excel. Have I lived? How have I lived? I'd love for you to take advantage of my Leadership Mindset Masterclass. It's all about providing you with the tools to ensure thriving for yourself and for those around you. Register today to receive the free introduction video and find out more about this acclaimed program. You'll also receive a copy of my international number one bestseller, Compassionate Capitalism, A Journey to the Soul of Business. I'm Blaine Bartlett, and I look forward to helping you thrive. Welcome back, folks. And I want to pick up where we left off with Doug. Um, The Top 1% Academy. Um, Two things here. What compels you to start it? And how do you actually, you know, what's, you know, not only how, you know, what compelled you to start it, but what's the target, the mission of the Top 1% Academy? Uh, I'll start with the second question first, because it's, I think, a lot easier for me to answer. The, the mission really is to help people to have the confidence that no matter what's going on in, you know, their their job, if they're working one, the, a business, if they have it, the economy, the presidential election that's coming up, you know, no matter what happens in the world, that the one thing I've always known, Blaine, as selling, and I learned this actually at the age of five and a half, um, is if we know how to be able to sell, we create leverage. Mm-hmm. And if we have leverage in our life, we were always going to be okay, right? That was that was kind of the driving force be, behind that. I started this because of that reason where I'm talking to so many people and I still do. I mean, we, you know, I still help companies build sales teams that are talking to people on a daily basis and I'm listening to what people are saying and, you know, looking at what's going on in the world. And I'm listening to the kids who are coming up and I call them kids now because, you know, they're, they're in their twenties, right. And I'm in 60. So it's kind <laughs> of like, 60. I don't mean that condescending, but, <laughs> um, 
But, the, you know, I look at a 20-year-old now and I go, wow, I was once 20. And it wasn't that long ago, right? I mean, like, what, what was I thinking back then? And then I go back to that moment. I'm like, well, it was a lot what they're thinking, except I think they have it rougher than I do because the, of the stuff that's going on in the world, right? And, and now I'm starting to sound more like my probably my grandfather did, you know, back when I was his, you know, my age. But yep. the, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, I, I started this because it was something Richard Minovino said to me. Um, he owned the Minervino companies. This was out in uh, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And one day I was in his office and he said, you know, I was, I was looking, uh, uh, he had all of these like checks he got from consulting. Cause he was like a telecommunications consultant in the, in the late fifties, which wow. didn't exist, no. you know, really at that point. Right. He was kind of like the forerunner and, and I'm looking and I'm seeing million dollar checks from like the Hartford Mutual Insurance Company. You know, he's got them kind of like framed and plaqued on his wall, on his desks and stuff. And I'm looking at all these checks and I'm going, wow, you know, 1958, getting a million dollars or whatever, you know, for that was a lot of money back then. And, you know, he had like 10 clients at a time and they were all huge companies. And, and I said to him, I said, geez, this is impressive, uh, you know. And he said, you know, not as impressive as that document on the wall. And he pointed and I looked and he said, the document said, if you can help one person live a better life, you've lived a life of significance. Mm. Yeah. And I said, wow. You know, he looked at me and he said, look, I got all these years in business. You can see, you know, there were 315 people out on the floor uh, working for him at this moment and others working around the world. And he said, Doug. I've been able to coach people and help them grow from one place to another place to another place in their life. And I've been able to create significant differences in their life because I created this company. He said, son, that is a worthwhile goal. And so that's really why I, you know, came back to this because, you know, I'm at a place now where, you know, everything's paid off. I don't have financial considerations. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to help people to go from point A to point B, and then from point B to point C, depending on what they truly want. And it's a process, Blaine. And, and if people follow the process, like anything, um, you know, it works. And it works. I've tested it over and over, over you know, through decades. So yeah, I know it works. <laughs> That's beautiful. Where can people find out more about what you're up to, Doug? And you know, if, if they were interested in you know taking advantage of you know the academy, you know, how how would they go about availing? Yeah, so, yeah. So the academy is not going to officially begin until probably the fourth quarter of this year. Okay. Um, so I've got a waiting list that we're putting together. I um <clears throat> I, I wrote a I wrote an ebook. And uh, Blaine, if it's okay with you, I'd like to give it away to your audience. I mean, we are going to sell it, but it, uh, we just got it back actually today. So um, if it's all right with you, um, <clears throat> your your folks here who are listening to this can go to uh, www.ceosalesstrategies.com and then forward slash 1PE. So 1 Paul Edward. Right. So 1% ebook, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I wrote a, yeah, 
I, I, I said to my marketing people, I said, can we make this longer? They're like, no, <laughs> people will remember one PE. Okay. Um, so, because uh, <laughs> I wanted 1% Academy, something, you know, ebook or whatever. Um, so they, um, I wrote this book on the, what is a one percenter? You know, how do they think? What's the philosophy, the psychology? Uh, you know, how did I kind of learn this, right? And how can they be in that category too, if they want to be? Um, so that would be a good place to start. They they can enter their name and email information, and we'll we'll update them as they go along. They can certainly send an email to us at uh, you matter y o u m a t t e r uh, at ceosalesstrategies.com, and either myself or one of my staff members will will respond to them for sure. Um, but if they're interested in it, it's it's doable. I've taken people with no sales experience whatsoever, and you know. They're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, even currently today, off of what uh, I've done. I have, you know, one guy who went from 140000 in commissions to 2.1 million in his first year, you know, taking that. So, you know, some people are seasoned in selling, some people are not. I've, you know, I've had accountants, you know, people go, oh, I'm too methodical to sell. I'm like, not any more than an accountant or an engineer, right? I mean, that's, you know, biochemists, exactly. right? Um, so... You know, it's it's not really about a lot of it is what we're talking about, Blaine. I mean, much of it is how do we take that internal guidance system and how do we adjust that so that we are thinking and acting in that way yep. and getting clear on what that target is. For some people, uh, you know, I've had them, you know, I've run a couple test pilot runs on this. So just to make sure that, you know, all the success I had before wasn't like, OK, well, that was a fluke and it can't be replicated. And. Um, but, uh, you know, some people are like, listen, I just want to make an extra $45,000 a year. So my wife doesn't go have to work a second job. And it's like, yeah. okay, that's easy enough. Right. Well, um, and then I've had other people come and say, you know, I want to make $3 million a year net net. Okay. Well, you can do that too. You know, um, the one thing I learned working with Tony Robbins and working with Chet Holmes, um, is, uh, and especially Russ Whitney, you can do whatever you want as long as you're committed to doing it. Yeah. And and that commitment doesn't mean it's easy. No. Um, no. But you know, these but if are you love it, pretty the effort is effortless. Yeah. 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 And, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, the academy runs twenty four months, just so people are aware if they're interested in it. Um, we make it super cost effective uh for them to do this. Uh we even break it up over the twenty four months for them. So uh we, we also do um deal analysis for them, Blaine. So like, let's say that they are selling and they, they're like, man, I'm going to go talk to the CEO of this company or the owner of this company, or I've got four people who are going to be in this meeting. You know, how do we structure and strategize this so that, you know, we can walk out, you know, with, with, with the higher percentage of, of a closed deal. So, you know, we do things like that. It's, it's not for the faint hearted. I will tell that everybody that Blaine, because it's truly, we are showing up, we're getting down to business. We are, you know, all nice people working together, but the reality is we call you out on your stuff if you don't do it. <laughs> so just be aware of that. Accountability. Accountability makes the world go around. It truly does. Yes, sir. <laughs> Folks, we've been listening to Doug Brown at um, CEO Sales Strategies. Um, the URL for the ebook, and thank you very much for making that available. Um, I'll, I'll put that up in the uh, the show notes so people will have easy access to it. Um, and we will catch you on the next iteration of this. 
I uh, want to thank you, Doug. Uh, this has been a fascinating conversation. I love what you're up to. And uh, more than anything else, I just really appreciate your heart. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, it certainly comes through in everything that you're talking about. So, yeah, thank you for that. You're welcome, Blaine. And thank you so much. Again, I'm very grateful to be here. My pleasure, my friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.